It's just like the problem solving aspect of fashion that I love. We might start off with an idea that the whole collection is just sheets with holes in and we have to somehow make it work. So you start with that kind of idea and you don't really know how you're going to get there in the end. For the collections you're working on, has it taken on board everything you've been through in the last year or so? It's slowly coming back to normal, but I think things will kind of never be the same again. The way that it kind of all changed so suddenly, I guess just shows that you can't really have a plan for anything. So you just kind of have to adapt as things change. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion, and welcome to the BOF podcast. The pandemic has not been a particularly easy moment for independent fashion designers, even some of the most talented ones, like this week's guest, Craig Green, who is hard at work on his spring-summer 2021 collection, which he is hoping to reveal in October. This time, it won't be in a fashion show format. As he explains to our editor-at-large, Tim Blanks, Craig is exploring alternative ways of showcasing his collection that feel more appropriate to the times. He discusses his ongoing collaboration with Montclair and his love of problem-solving and dream of designing a wardrobe classic. Here's Craig Green, Inside Fashion. Craig, hello. Hello. <laughs> We're here today, BOF Live, with Craig Green, really one of the most exciting, um, probably the most exciting menswear designer in the world. We we last spoke a couple of months ago, I guess, when Paris was doing their digital. How long ago was it? When Paris was doing like their digital. A few months ago. Yeah. And at that time, um, it, it's it's interesting. Uh, we I, f I felt like there was a sort of, um, we were still in a moment of, uns well, uncertainty. I guess we're now in a moment of even greater uncertainty. But you were still finding your way through the challenges of, um, of this situation that's prevailed for designers and for the fashion industry. Because it felt like before this happened, at the beginning of this year, you were on the cusp of change. And then COVID happened. You were, you were moving to Paris. You were... You were just, you'd moved to Paris. You were just taking, a, taking your career in a new direction. Um, and then obviously everything stopped and had to be reassessed. Where are we right now? Um, I think we're still in that period of not really knowing what's going on um, and not really knowing what feels right, I think. I mean, we're still working on, um, we're still kind of completing our Spring Summer 21 collection and planning ahead for next year um and of course we have like a like a number of kind of um collaborations and projects and campaigns that we're kind of working on as well at the same time um everyone in the team's kind of back in the office now um which is nice i mean they're actually on vacation right now that's why it's so quiet here um but yeah it's it's slowly coming back to normal, but I think things will kind of never be the same again. Um, and it is kind of like, it's slightly annoying because yeah, I guess we were in a, we just moved to Paris for the first time to show um, and things were changing for, in a better way, like the team was growing and, and lots of things were happening, but I think the way that it kind of, all changed so suddenly kind of I guess just shows that you can't really have a plan for anything um everything gets thrown out the window last minute so you just kind of have to adapt as things change when you said you were getting back to normal um what what did what is of it is this the new normal or is this what, it's, what definitely, was it happening? it's definitely a a new form of normal it's not how it was before at all um i think I, I think just like i guess anyone that has like a who works in design or fashion it's such like a um a human-based process of models and fittings and interacting with people and when you have kind of restrictions about how many people can be in a, in one space and having to wear masks while you're doing fittings it just is not the same as it was. Um, 
it might not be like that forever. Um, I guess it's just kind of, you just have to adapt to the situation, I think. But it doesn't have to be, it's only negative if you think it's negative kind of thing. <laughs> I think it's, 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 a, it, it's a very, I, I imagine it's a, well, looking from outside, I could imagine it's a particularly, it's almost an ironic situation for you because if I think about what defines your work for me, the, the, the really unique quality is a sort of maybe like a medieval futurism. It's, it's interesting that people have been writing about this as something that's coming out of the pandemic is this notion of, you know, a plague-riddled past with the way that the future is being shaped by our response to that, to that particular set of circumstances. And when I think about, you know, the magnificent Craig Green collections of the past, there's this, there is this medieval element. There's the sense of, um, there's a sense of of being close to nature, of being of of quite t tightly defined communities, of um, of you know you see things like samurais and knights and in your clothing. You have I have seen those and armor and the notion of protection and defense against un the unknown. And that's all so appropriate to what we've all been living through. I just wonder how you, if you've stopped to think, oh my goodness, this is, this is my time in a funny way. Um, I guess like um, maybe those kind of things are more interesting when you're not kind of living them. So maybe now it's <laughs> kind of time to change that, but. Yeah, I mean, the, the the aspect of protection has always kind of been there. Um, and it's always like a starting point in everything that we do. And it can be things that are kind of based on in functional protection, protection and clothing, but it's also sometimes about what we do. Um, I don't know, like it's that kind of that kind of protection aspect is always something I've been interested in. But I can I think that also kind of links back to the idea of uniforms. Um, because they're protective in a way that they kind of link you, like you become part of a group when you wear a uniform. And I think that idea of being part of something is protective in some way. But then there are other aspects to it in terms of protective clothing and workwear functionality and all of those things are kind of are just things that we always kind of come back to and float around on, I guess. I, I love the idea of talismans. I, I love the idea of, of, people wear, of people wearing things to ward off um, evil, basically. Um, but have you felt that more uh, when you, as, you, as you're reassessing your work over the last while? Can you feel yourself kind of evolving that idea in some way? I mean, is fashion a talisman? Um, I think, I mean, I'm always kind of looking back at the past collections and kind of deciding what didn't work and what did work and that kind of changes constantly between, from day to day really. Um, so it's always something that we've done. I don't know if it's any more I guess, I guess over the last few months, you don't really have much time to like sit and analyze the past. It's more kind of, um, you're reacting to the moment and what's kind of happening. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, like, yeah, they, they're things that we always kind of circle around and go back on, but it isn't any different to what it was previously. Really? In some way. Well, I guess we haven't done a show yet, so maybe when it comes to the energy around a show and that kind of storytelling aspect, I think maybe it will be a bit different, but... I mean, even, but even in the clothes, you don't feel that, you know, we're all responding to a threat right now. Everybody is. Whatever you do, you're responding to this outside threat. Like, there hasn't, ever, there hasn't been a threat like that for centuries, really. Uh, do you... 
you don't feel your work kind of taking shape in response. Like the notion of protection, for example, becomes something a lot more real, perhaps, than, than it has Maybe been. that's why um, it doesn't feel so nice to fantasize about it anymore because it's so real. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think we're always kind of under threat in some way. Um, maybe not on the level that we're kind of experiencing right now, but I think that need to feel protected is always there in people. Um, you know, that, that need to be part of something, that need to wear things that maybe we don't necessarily actually need for protection. Um, I don't know, it's just, it's just something that I've always been attracted to and I kind of think people, I, I feel that people kind of always want to feel protected. I think I always kind of say, you know, like it's like having a four by four in the city. You don't actually need a four by four, but you feel a certain level of protection knowing or having an Arctic jacket and living in a climate where it's never, ever going to get that cold. I don't know, that kind of feeling, I guess it's like a kind of, you get an inner calm from feeling that kind of protection. Well, you know, you do these collections for Montclair, and I, I was walking down Bond Street the other day and, and the window of Montclair in Bond Street was your clothing. And it looked like sci-fi crusader clothing. You know, it looked, it really looked like 24th century armor. And I, I thought, how interesting that, because I know those collections are sort of the, the, the uh, genius collections from Montclair are staggered throughout the year. And I thought, well, just because I was outside Montclair, I guess it wasn't any, any more significant than that. But how funny that that's what I was looking at in the window, just as all these things have been going through my, through my mind. I mean, that's just what you were saying, that this repurposing of super functional, you know, high performance clothing for the city, like a four by four, driving it in the city, uh, incredibly functional things. Is, is this something you've, you've, take a sort of perverse enjoyment from over your career, taking a functional notion and then building it into this thing of rather perverse beauty? Um, I think especially with Montclair, um, I think part of the reason why we thought the collaboration from the very beginning could work is that I always saw Montclair as a brand that's about protection and functionality. And I thought it was really interesting to kind of, it's something that I've always been interested in, but it's kind of something that Montclair do in a di very different way. Um, and I thought that kind of twisting those ideas within Montclair's heritage and world could kind of be an interesting partnership. Um, like for example, the first collection that we did with Montclair, the, the idea was to, I thought it would be interesting to look at any, the most obvious kind of research imagery of Montclair, like mountains and ski and outdoor sports and try and find something in them that maybe people hadn't looked at in a certain way or hadn't been inspired by and kind of use that for the first collection. So we were inspired by like the first collection that we did, which was the Montclair sea capsule. It was inspired by when people break their leg on a mountain and they get strapped down to a stretcher and the shape that the blanket made under the straps kind of created like a Montclair jacket. So I thought maybe that was a good way to twist it into that. Um, which also kind of created the shape a bit like a sex toy or like anal beads in some kind of strange way. Um, or a spaceman, if you look at it in a with a more kind so of... that's quite uh, high-low then, literally high-low, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, that was always kind of what was interesting about um, what we could do with Montclair, that it was, it was about protection and functionality, but it, it, was, it was things that could be seen in an innocent way, but also maybe in a slightly darker way, depending on who was looking at it. Did that come back into your own work then? Because... You know, you, you, you've become quite lyrical in your own work. You, you know, there's a figurative element. There's painting and there's colour and there's a sort of 
elevated, um, you know, uh, more sort of maybe more maybe more experimental in a way that you're exploring areas that from the functionality you're now you have moved from that to a more sort of almost spiritual level. Would you say that you, you're not shy of that? Maybe the way you used to used to be. I used to laugh when people go backstage you know, like me, and they're always kind of bombarding you with these incredibly spiritual uh, interpretations of what you've just done. And you just say, oh, God, no, it's anal beads or something like that. You know, like bring it all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> um, but would you say you've actually, in yourself, you've, you've come to grips more with that? Um, I don't, like, I, I mean, the textiles aspect has always kind of been there, but in different ways. So like with the prints and the kind of more experimental textiles. I was a textile graduate um, when I was at college, although it was more kind of menswear. It's kind of always been there, but yeah, sometimes it's, sometimes the set of three collections that we're working on can spin into a more kind of textile experimental world. And then sometimes it can be very stark and plain. Um, but yeah, to, like talking about how, you know, when, when you come backstage and stuff, I think I've, um, I always find it difficult to talk about things in that kind of spiritual um, way. I don't know why. I mean, usually they are based on the things that I talk about, but they are things that you can kind of find spiritual, whoever you, depending on the person. So, um, I don't know, I find it difficult to talk about things in maybe a kind of grand or very, very deeply conceptual way. Um, because usually they don't start from places that, well, the starting points to the collection don't come from places that are maybe very conceptual, or maybe very deep or something. But when they all come together, maybe you could see it as conceptual or deep, I guess. But do you find it easier then if I just say, well, you know, the music of Kate Bush has been kind of the thread <laughs> for, your, for your career. So if you follow a Kate Bush album, if you follow Ariel, for example, and when you were grouping your collections in threes, are you still doing that, you think? Can yeah, you so I think the, the last collection was the end of that three. So now we are starting the next three. I don't know, it, it, it never started off as threes, it just like maybe about nine collections in. We, I always want to kind of categorize everything for no reason. And but a trilogy. No sense for anyone. But. No, a trilogy, <laughs> beginning, middle and end. It's perfect. That's, a, that's the perfect threesome, beginning, middle and end. But was the last one Kate Bush, the Kate Bush's Ariel album then, the last three? Or is, it, or is she always, is her music always kind of a the thread that ties them all together. I mean, I only started realizing it recently how you could look at the collections and the campaigns and kind of link them strangely to Kate Bush songs or albums, but it was never kind of, they were never the starting point and the, it was never kind of intentional. Um, but if you look back, you can do that. There was like a collection that was a bit like Army Dreamers if you look back in some kind of strange way and certain campaigns could be like cloud busting or, you know, like it kind of really depends. Um, but it's just, she's just someone that I've always, um, who I would love to meet and love to work with. And I really think she's completely incredible person and her work and her music has always been that kind of, you know, you always look back and you think, even when I was, at, even when I was doing my A-levels at school, I would listen to Kate Bush. And since then, it's always kind of been a thread. And it's only recently I've looked back and maybe because I, I'm always trying to categorize everything. I don't know why it's not really useful to anyone, I don't think, but, <laughs> you know, like trying to find a reason why things happened in the past. Um, but I think it helps me to kind of compartmentalize them and then kind of move on to the next thing. Wow. That's deep. <laughs> Is it? Oh, I thought it was quite simple. 
<laughs> I mean, that, maybe it's more self self analytic, um, self analyzing. But that's the, that, that's kind of the way you you create order out of chaos. That you compartmentalize and you and you you know to find a subliminal thread in what you do. Um, I mean, that's kind of interesting. It, it's 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 that kind of you know is fashion an art. Uh, when you when you find when you when you find something like if you can find this through line in everything you do, it becomes like art. It becomes like this ongoing. Well, I guess it's like, I mean the cliche is it's like a journey, isn't it? That you're on a journey when you're um when you're um doing this. You know when you're. Yeah, it's, it's, it's strange because there's not really any reason to kind of categorize it in that way. I mean, there's like no one's looking back and kind of trying to find why, <laughs> why things have like, a, a, I guess fashion's all about kind of moving forward, isn't it? Not looking back and putting them into categories, but um, it just, I, I find it helpful. I don't know. It's also like the way that we start a collection as well. Usually it starts with kind of blocks of colour on a wall before we even have clothes or before we even have fabric to try and find the rhythm of the collection or to try and find... I guess that also links back to that kind of idea of uniform um, and uniformity and kind of a rhythm of something. So I don't know. We always... It's just like a... I guess it's just like a certain way of working, but... um, but do you feel like you're telling, now you've done however many collections you've done, you've done how many now? How many is it? It must be a multiple of three. That's all I know. Nine? <laughs> Nine? Three? I think maybe 12. 12? Good Lord. I'm getting old. Uh, <laughs> can, you, can, can you see it now? Like when you're talking about kind of categorizing it all do you see it now as chapters in a way you can look back on it and see how each each collection is a chapter and it's there is this book that you're writing here in a way you know I I I feel I feel that because it's a remarkably consistent um you know we talked about this that there are menswear designers you know Helmut Lang or Raph Simmons where the idea is evolution and you're expanding on this, on these central themes. Do you feel in a way that's what you've been doing for the last however many seasons? Expanding on? Certain themes. There are certain things that interest you. I I would say, you know, light versus dark. Um, It it seems to be a theme with you and um, I would say spirit versus flesh. You might, you might, you might kind of disagree with that. There's something incredibly physical in your work, but there's also something really elevated. You know, I uh, the, the, there was one collection you did where the models all had bare feet. They walked with the banners, and um, everybody was crying at the end of that show. And you don't really see that very often in fashion. And that interesting balance between the body and the spirit, I thought, and light and dark as well. These themes, you think, and 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 utility and fashion is another contrast too. I think there's definitely there's definitely themes that kind of like even if I look back to my MA collection from Central St Martins, which was 2012. Although it was a long time ago, I think you can still kind of, there is some kind of similarities between the collections now and and then. I mean, that collection was all about the relationship between workwear and religious wear um, and how one is for, for like a physical function and the other is more for a kind of spiritual, like an imagined, not non-physical function usually. But they have so many similarities in terms of construction and cut and style of clothing. So it was, it was all of those kind of things that I, and, and those, those aspects are still there. So I guess like uniforms, communal ways of dress, functionality, utility, um, all of those things kind of 
even though each collection we start off, we have a starting point that feels so far away from the previous collection or like the previous seasons, somehow in the end, it always ends up becoming a bit similar or part of the story, even if we try to really start somewhere else. <laughs> and we think, oh, it's going to be so different this time. And then but somehow you know, it's like, oh, you said something so interesting <laughs> that this, throughout this pandemic, you know, I think people have become so aware of the workers in society, you know, the people who keep society functioning. The, the people who don't get any credit um, and often they're the people at the very bottom of the pyramid, but they're the ones who've kept things going. And you were talking about um, uh, workwear and that in that context. And for those people, you called them angels on earth. And so, I thought that was so, that, that really felt like, you know, this sort of, this evolution of, of, of one of the, your central themes. I think the I think that's what's always really important for us that the uniform aspect or the utility aspect or the workwear I guess you call it is always the it's always based on the uniforms of people that actually do the work it's always kind of the worker rather than the uniform of status so it's kind of like that's always really important to or always, it's not very important, but it's always, it never feels right when we do something based on uniform that isn't to do something in, if that makes sense. I'm not really making sense, but. No, it does uh, make perfect sense. And then there's, and the, and the collection, the, you know, the Angels on Earth kind of collection was the Spring Summer 19 that we showed at Pity. And that collection, yeah, we kind of referenced like nurses' outfits and hospital scrubs. And it was just that kind of idea that, yeah, like angels on earth, or like the people that are really going to save you. And that was way before what happened this year. So it's interesting, isn't it, that, that, that fashion can project into, project itself into a situation in a, in a really unanticipated way mm. you know because everything's been about hospital about nurses think, and people working in hospitals and i think something like the pandemic and what's happening right now is kind of put a you know like a spotlight on that maybe a bit more but it was always there they, they were always the people that were going to save you no matter what so i guess it's now the spotlight is a bit more on that kind of subject but yeah, they were always there. Are you? Te <laughs> That's an idea that you could be running with even more now. I mean, for for the collections you're the collections you're working on, that we will when will we see these collections? Are you planning to show them? The next collection we are launching early October, spring summer twenty one. But we're doing it in a completely different format to what we've done previously. So yeah. Can't say much, but. <laughs> <laughs> but is it is it has it taken on board everything you've been through in the last year or so, last nine months? Um, I, well, the thing is, like most of it was kind of because it would have been shown in June. Most of it was kind of already in process. Um, quite early on, almost like in February, March. Um, it's definitely changed since then. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a completely different way of showing and presenting, I think is kind of the main aspect of what we're doing right now. And now we're just about to start on what we, on the new collection, which will be autumn into 21. And hopefully that will be a show again if we're going to shows then. <laughs> February or March. Yeah, February. Um, February. Yeah. I mean, I'm. Um, I'm. Your, your shows have always been so important to you um, as a kind of um, crystallization of of, but but very humble. 
I mean, you've you've not you've you've managed to your shows have managed to be emotional without being super scaled. I mean, they've managed to they've managed to be very impactful without being extravaganzas. How important has that element been for you? I mean, you're talking about doing this next presentation in a completely new, unprecedented way. Is that unprecedented? Would you say? Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that word is like um, <laughs> lost meaning recently. <laughs> so, <man>. but, <laughs> do you enjoy working on on that element as well? I mean, you, you, some of your photo shoots for your clothing have been have been very extravagant. Actually, you've blown things up. So, um, is that something? Is that an element that you really really enjoy as well? Me. I think I think part of the reason why I was really attracted to fashion at the beginning was the image making aspect of it, maybe even more so than dressing people aspect of fashion. I was always I always found I guess like I always think a fashion show is really is like a really important thing. Um, it's quite weird that we haven't done a show this season. It would be like the first it's the first time in maybe nine years that. We haven't done a show in June, um, which is quite an odd, odd thing. Um, but yeah, like the 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 image making aspect and the making some, I guess it's like making something inspirational for people, or making something that makes you feel something. Like even going back to my MA collection, the the sculpture aspect, or like the the big black houses or like the luggage carriers, they came before the clothing. And then the clothing was a bit like an afterthought. It was like, they need something to wear whilst they carry the sculpture. So I don't know, it was, that aspect has always been there. It's always been kind of, I guess. What, what, why, was, why was that more important than the clothing, do you think? I don't know if it was more important, but it definitely came first. You know, like it was almost like the clothes were like, oh, and they need an outfit. <laughs> that collection anyway maybe it's not like that anymore but um looking back that was kind of a bit, bit more the thought process it like started with i just I've, I've just always loved that image making aspect or like trying to create an image that lasts longer than just now um or might be in a book one day and that kind of approach has always been there but but you, you you've often used banners and You've often used things that reshaped the body, you know, changed the human silhouette, that are very ritualistic. Um, what is that, do you think, in you, that when you say you'd love to see these photos and you'd love to see the images in a book, they could be in a book without any kind of context, actually, and be completely fascinating. I mean, they could be from any time, any place in a strange way. That that there's a sort of timelessness to to that stuff, which is really I've always found really strange and and kind of fascinating. Where do you think that comes from? I think the aspiration, like my aspiration when I was at college, was to be in a book. Like that was like my dream. I mean, I, I never really dreamed of being a fashion designer. I didn't dream of. I didn't really dream of any job, really. I just kind of went along with what felt right at the time and knew I liked to make things, knew I was kind of okay at building or making or learning things in terms of like art and design. Um, but one of my main goals was I really wanted to be in a book in the library in the future. That was like, <laughs> that was like my main goal. How far um, in the future? Um, I don't think I thought that. <laughs> I don't think I thought that far ahead, but I just knew that I, when I was at college, I was like, oh, I, I would love to be in a book and I would love for, I don't know, students to find that image one day and be inspired. Human students? Sorry? Human students? Human students? Or just post-human? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anyone's going to the library anymore, but... <laughs> Yeah, maybe not human students. <laughs> what, what, what did you want them to think when you saw those pictures of the, those 
boys with the structures, with the houses and the, and the banners, what would you want people to think? What, how, how would you want people to respond? Well, whoever, it doesn't, doesn't have to be people who are looking in this book. It could be something that comes after us in about like 50 the, years. Like the same way that, I, I guess the same way that I felt when I first discovered designers like Walter Van Berendonck, and I kind of realized that fashion could be about anything or could come from anywhere or could come from anyone. It didn't have to be from what I understood fashion would have been, which kind of I found quite scary when I started St. Martin's. Like you have an idea of what fashion as a course would be and what fashion as a career would be. And then you discover kind of designers that, like Walter, who, who are so uncompromising in what they do um, and so individual in their voice and and make the work about where they're from or what they do or what they what they've done, um, which might not not necessarily be um, a classic a classic reference point <laughs> for <laughs> design. I think of him as quite as Walter van Berendonck as being a very defiant designer, and I've actually ne it's never occurred to me before that you might be as well. That maybe you're you're actually defying. Uh, convention in the way you um, in the way you work, in the way you show, in the way you design, and and actually that you're defiant. Uh, always, I always <laughs> try and um, <clears throat> I think rather than I don't know that in in the collections is I think we've spoken about it before, but I always think it's. I prefer it when someone sees it and I, I prefer when someone sees the clothes or the collection or the campaign and sees something or decides for themselves what it's about or what they see it mm. being, um, rather than it being a specific statement that I wanted to say or that I'm fighting against. So in that way, I don't know if you call it defiant, but yeah, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> well, actually, you're, you're, you're leaving it up to them, which I find very interesting because you give them, you give them some very strange tools to work with, to create their own idea of um, what it is that you've done. <laughs> Although you did, you, you did say something so interesting that um, kind of crept out of nowhere and, 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 you know, those, those words, those things you say when you're not really thinking about them, they turn out to be really, really important. But you said, I under, you told me I understand what I was meant to do. And that really intrigues me. I mean, what do you think that means? I understand what I was meant to do. Like you've had some kind of illumination and... Um, oh, you mean when we spoke a few months ago? Yes, yeah. Um, I think that was more in, I think it, it kind of goes back to Louise Wilson, because I think until I met Louise, I didn't really understand whether I had a future in fashion or whether I'd be doing something else. And it wasn't until I met her. I, I think when I met Louise, I mean, firstly, I kind of had a good relationship with her um, and we got along. And also I really respected her as an educator and as a person. And I think the, in, when I joined the MA course at Central St. Martins, I think she encouraged me to push further and encouraged me to kind of continue with doing what I thought was maybe interesting at the time. And I think she understood where, um, I think she understood where I could take it before maybe even I understood what I was doing or like what I was, <laughs> or why I was doing it. Um, but she pushed, yeah, she pushed me and she encouraged me to not care what, I think she would always say like, why do you care what other people think? And why do you care what other people are doing? And why, and that kind of pushed me along to kind of, I guess, yeah, like, I don't know, maybe beat my own path or in some way. 
<laughs> um, did you need her to tell you that or was that already in you do you think I think I've always I've always worked even if I look back to my A-level um, art teacher who's called Mr Barbie who passed away a year after I left school so we never really reconnected again but I've always kind of done better when I have when I've had like I don't know, uh, a really inspiring, strong educator or somebody to kind of encourage me or push me along, um, especially in education. And I think I definitely needed Louise at that point because I didn't really know. I mean, my, my BA collection was, I mean, most of it was like wooden meat kebab sticks kind of sewn into fringes and a wooden birdhouse with a balloon stuck on it. So I don't, <laughs> I wasn't really sure where I'd fit in at that point. Um, so I really needed, and I don't know what she saw in what I was doing or what she thought could become something, but I'm happy that she offered me a place on the course. And that she- I think, I think she saw fearlessness because you know, it's been there ever since. Uh, you talk about beating your own, you know, beating your own path. I mean, wow. There's, it, 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 it's, it's, it actually has been quite defiant in a way. Um, also, it, 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 it's become much purer, like your, your path is, you know, this happens with artists, doesn't it? That their work kind of, becomes purer, they becomes more, well, for some, of, for some of them it does, it becomes more refined in a way. Um, I, think you just, you know. I think it's just a constant learning process, isn't it? I, I still feel like I'm learning so much. Like with every collection you learn and every factory you meet you learn and every fabric supply you learn and I guess as it goes on, maybe you just naturally get more skills as you go along. But I don't what, think you're what, ever learning. I think that's what why. What kind I'm... of things have you learned? Like, what would you say you've learned recently? I mean, it seems to me that you can, that last um, Montclair collection that we saw in Milan, um, you took clothes to a place where it, the clothes were almost the living thing the person inside them was almost less important than the, this incredible living organism that you'd created. It was so futuristic. It was incredible. I mean, what are you learning that's, that's allowing you to do those sort of, that, sort, that sort of thing? What's your research process? Even, like, even just in the, um, I mean by, I guess what I mean by learning is, it's just like the problem solving aspect of fashion that I love, you know, like where you, and that's what I love about working with Montclair on collections that we might start off with an idea that we want to like, that all the, the whole collection is just sheets with holes in and we have to somehow make it work. So you start with that kind of idea and you don't really know how you're going to get there in the end, but the whole process is like, how do you create this visual? How do you create, how do you see the body inside the sheet, but also have a Montclair jacket floating on it at the same time so you can see both? And then how do you see the internal feather injected in the jacket all at the same time? And then how can someone wear it as well? So it's it's like all of like the, I just, I, um, I still love the energy of like not knowing and, and trying to find out and working with people to kind of get the answer. But I'm just really kind of cute. I guess like I, I'm interested in all aspects of fashion, like even down to garment construction and fabric and textile and like how to construct a certain thing. Like I still have, I'm still interested to find out things like that. So I guess in that way, you're just always learning. Is it a quest, do you think? Um, I guess you could call it a quest. Um, 
it's a bit like an impossible quest, isn't it? Because you can never really learn everything and you can never really know everything. So I guess that's why you kind of have, that's why it keeps that energy because it's forever changing and there's always more. I think of you as quite obsessive because I think of you as being very humble about what you do, which I find incredibly convincing you know it, 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 it it's just it's it's not your voice isn't the voice uh, one of the voices we're used to hearing in fashion you know but at the same time you're very it seems you're very obsessive i think i'm definitely i guess i would would never have thought of myself as an obsessive person maybe a few years ago but I, i'm definitely obsessive with work and i think like that's the reason why I, I kind of, it's the reason why I went into like art and design or the reason why I went into fashion is because I had an energy for, for it at school when I do not just an art subject, but even, I don't know, graphics or industrial design or product or anything that was to do with like making or building or problem solving. I would, in compa- comparatively to maybe like maths or science or writing an essay, I had an energy and a drive for it where I could work all night or I could work all weekend or I wouldn't stop thinking about it. I could cancel all my plans just to kind of work on this one thing. And then I think that's what kind of steered me in that direction when I was younger, because I thought, I don't know where I'm going to go, but I know this path is right for me because I have a hunger for it. I, I, I love to work in that way. And it might not be in fashion, it might not be in art, it might not be, but something in that realm I just knew was fulfilling for me. Do you think fashion gives you more opportunities to fulfill yourself on every level from storytelling to design to, to the, you know, the development of ideas to, you know, that. That's like the amazing part of fashion that it, like it's it's very hard to describe to somebody. I, I guess people have their own. Like, sorry, I keep playing with this bit of masking tape. What about you doing there? Always fiddling, um, making something out of masking tape. <laughs> um, that's like the. I think that's the aspect that I really love about fashion, and why when I was at college, it kind of steered me even further into that direction that it. It's everything, you know, like it, 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 it's textile, it's print, it's mathematics in terms of garment construction, it's storytelling when you're making a show or a campaign, you can build an installation in a shop. There's also a human aspect. It's kind of restricted by the human body, um, which I also love. I love that idea of working within a restriction because the human body never really changes. So how many more times can you dress it up before you kind of run out of ideas? So I think that working in that restriction is really interesting as well. Um, I also love the community aspect of fashion, which I think um, I like that you get to work with people. I like, I like that you have a team around you. I guess sometimes I always think, oh, I wish I was a ceramicist and I worked on my own in a shed some, you know, like far away, but I think I would miss the people. I've missed the discussing ideas and working on something together and building something together. And I think that's kind of what fashion gives you. I think that's why you can always have that energy. You make me want to be a designer. That sounds like <laughs> Maybe I'll make it that more exciting than it actually is. <laughs> is that why um, you said something wonderful? You said you would love to create um, the uh, one item that that became like a iconic, you know, like the Burberry trench or the I think Levi's jeans or something. You would love you would love to be able to leave the world a prey green. What would it be? Worker jacket or something? What would it be? Do you think that's like? I mean, that's another reason why I thought that I really respect brand like a brand like Montclair, who kind of I think own a wardrobe. I don't know if you call it a staple, it's a bad word, but you know, like a, 
they own a wardrobe classic of, you know, if someone says to you, I'm going to go and buy a winter down jacket, you tell them, go to Montclair and get a winter down jacket. And I think to own that kind of icon wardrobe piece is, especially in menswear, I think is really like the goal. Um, and I think I really respect brands that own those kind of items or those pieces of clothing. You know, if a man kind of, or somebody came and said to you like, oh, I, I need to buy a wardrobe of 20 pieces, you would tell them if you're getting a trench, get it from Burberry, if you're getting, you know, like you would list off the, the different aspects of clothing. And I think for a brand or a designer to kind of have one of those items is really an achievement. So maybe one day. <laughs> you've probably got a big green worker jacket, I don't know. Yeah, you've got another 40 oh, or 50 okay. years. You've got another 40 or 50 years to work that out. And I would nominate long, long gone nominate, for them. <laughs> nominate the worker jacket. I would. I guess I, I think that's just like, you know, like I think in terms of dressing people or in terms of having a clothing brand, I think I have great, great respect for designers or brands that own wardrobe classics like that. Well, Craig, that that's a very um, that's a good place to leave us leave today leave today, and then we can come back and talk in <laughs> forty or fifty years about, <laughs> about <laughs> your contribution to the glo to the to the to the global uh, capsule collection. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's um, Wonderful to talk to you, and as with everybody I speak to on Zoom, I don't know when I'll see you, but hopefully very soon. <laughs> Hope so. Thank you. Thank Tim. you very much. Bye, Craig. Bye bye. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, give us a rating, and you might be interested in joining the Business of Fashion's global membership community, BOF Professional. Our members receive exclusive deep dive analysis regular email briefings, as well as unlimited access to our archive of over 10,000 articles, our new iPhone app, and all of the online courses and learning materials from BOF Education.